Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the Fiji Rugby Union announces it will offer full-time sevens contracts for its players. And the Manusina women's team arrive in Paris for the Women's Rugby World Cup. But first, Papua New Guinea weightlifter Stephen Kari has won gold at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. The Pacific Games champion lifted 149 kilograms in the snatch and 200 kilograms in the clean and jerk for a total of 349. His Australian rival finished with the same combined lift but was awarded the silver medal because of his heavier body weight. Team PNG's chef de mission Emma Waiwai says it's an exciting time for everyone in the team. Our first gold medal in weightlifting, so you know, we're really, really excited about it. We're really excited for him. He's put in a lot of hard work and it's paid off for him, so you know, I think he really deserves it all. And also going in, I guess, with that expectation too, so many people thinking that he would win it. He's won at Commonwealth level before at the championships. He's won at the Pacific Games. But, you know, this is just that next level again. Mm. And I was really hoping that, you know, having all these wins behind him and, all the, you know, putting all this unnecessary pressure on him, would, he, he would falter. But, you know, he actually lived up to it. And so we're really proud of that. And the second weightlifting medal for Papua New Guinea and, and only the second gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, I think, or third gold medal after, you know, Ryan Penny in 2006. And speaking with Ryan... Last week, uh, he, he was saying how he'd love somebody else to, to win a gold for PNG so the spotlight can go on them. You know, it's time for the next generation of PNG champions to come through. Exactly, exactly. And uh, what does this do for the entire PNG team? Obviously, uh, you know, I think you've got a couple of medals in the bag now and hopeful of uh, more perhaps yeah, coming everyone, down. Everyone's really excited and they're all still waiting up for him. There'll be a bit of celebration and singing and dancing and then he'll have to retire for the night. That's the chef to mission for Team PNG, Emma Waiwai. The Pacific has won a total of four medals so far in Glasgow, all in weightlifting. PNG lifter Dikatoa won the first, claiming silver in the women's 53kg category at the weekend. However, the gold medalist from Nigeria, Chika Emelaha, has since failed a drugs test, with Toa poised to be promoted to the top of the dais. The 16-year-old Emelaha set a new Games record, but the Commonwealth Games Federation says her A sample contained diuretics and masking agents. She'll have a B sample tested in London on Wednesday. PNG Chef Demission Emma Waiwai says they've been kept fully informed and have told Toa to remain calm and let the process take its place. Samoa's Vaipava Yuani won the bronze medal on Saturday in the men's 62kg class, with compatriot Mary Opilonga taking silver in the women's 75kg division. Opilonga finished behind Canada's Marie-Yves Beauchemin-Nardot, who lifted a new games record of 250kg. 
Apollonia Vivi finished third with a total lift of 209 kgs, earning Fiji their first medal in Glasgow and their first Commonwealth Games medal since 2006. Coach and national weightlifting manager Della Shaw says she always believed the 23-year-old was a big chance of making it onto the podium. It's overwhelming, it's exciting, and uh, yeah, we're all excited over the, her performance, especially when uh, Fiji is just coming back into the Commonwealth Games. We see if we can grab the opportunity and we had to, because Apollonia has been, been training very hard and just been uh, uh, accepted back in the Commonwealth Games, uh, is something we were looking forward to. Did you always believe that she was a good chance at a medal at this event? Yes. We kept track of uh, performances throughout uh, the six months. Uh, we knew that uh, she had a great chance of winning a medal. She lifted a total of 209 kilograms. Is that, is, is that the best that she's done? Yeah, she's done more. Uh, Polonia has done uh, 117. A uh, best in her snatch, in her training check, she's done uh, 117. Okay, because I mean, I, I guess going into this event, I guess uh, from Samoa, Mary Opilonga was probably the, the focus being the Commonwealth uh, champion, and, and I guess uh, it took a game's record to beat her. So I guess in, in, in some ways, um, Apollonia was sort of able to sort of just uh, quietly do her, do her business and, and sort of just sneak up there and, and get into that medal category. Yes, yes. In regards to Mary, um, Apollonia is based up at the, at the Institute with Mr. Paul Koffer, and she has just started training, so they, this is a massive performance from Apollonia, building up to to our next uh, to Rio. Now that Fiji finally have a medal on the table, uh, Della, any, any, are you optimistic that the uh, this will help the team, you know, sort of give you guys that kickstart you need, and that maybe you can pick up one or two more somewhere else around the Games? Yes, I'm hoping that uh, we've got athletics left. We still have the, the bowlers, and uh, I hope this will, uh, will keep the, the hype up now for the rest of the team. That's the Fiji weightlifting manager, Della Shaw, speaking from Glasgow. The Fiji Rugby Union will introduce full-time player contracts for the upcoming World 7 Series and have also announced a higher threshold for bonus payments. Players viewed as world-class by the coaching staff will be paid $20,000 Fijian dollars per season, with those just below that level earning $17,500 and established squad members $15,000. Sevens head coach Ben Ryan says the contracts are a big step forward for Fiji rugby. Since I got in place, you know, one of the things I immediately saw was just our inability to hold on to our players, um, have any control at all over them. Uh, they were going abroad, they were playing club games days be- day before we were leaving to play away, so um, yeah, it's good to be able to do that now. Because, I mean, it wasn't just the big clubs overseas. I mean, you had players going to, I think, Setefano Thakar a year or two back went to Sri Lanka or something to play rugby, which is hardly a, a powerhouse of the game. But I guess, you know, when people need to provide for their families or, or find, uh, you know, ways to keep afloat, you know, that's that's what happens. Exactly, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, last year, Joali Lutamalangi, Johnny Potter, Setefano Thakar, they all were playing in Sri Lanka as well as, you know, five or six other Fijians that were, Good players and didn't get the chance to see because they were there. Uh, we've got players playing in Romania and, and elsewhere, as well as the traditional places they tend to go in New Zealand, France, and the UK and Australia. The good thing now is that they're there. That the opportunity is for the boys to uh, attract a salary that, in Fijian terms, is, is pretty good. Has the money or the finances always been available for this sort of thing in Fijian rugby? And is it just a matter that it hasn't been put in place? Or have, I, I know there was a number of sponsorships over the past year that the unions managed to get, which have, which have helped them out. Has that given you guys the ability to do this? 
That's a good question, Vinny. I think probably the finances have always been there to be able to get full-time contracts without wanting to sound like I've come in and been a knight in shining armour. I'm not sure it would have happened if I hadn't got the job and um, pushed for full-time contracts. Uh, we're not talking about significant amount of money. You know, our entire budget for for full-time players is 350,000 Fijian, which um, you know equates in English terms to about 110,000 pounds. So you'll have to do the uh, the maths to turn it into New Zealand dollars, but it's a fraction of what the big teams have. But it's a start. And uh, it's incentivised as well. You've got 20,000 for the top tier, and then 17 and a half, and then 15,000. So can you just maybe explain how that will work? You have to change your contracts depending on, on the situation, and it's very different from the structure I put in place with England. Um, with Fiji, uh, you have to pick on form. There's such a huge base of players playing domestically, and some players do still spring out of nowhere. You know, If you, don't, if you haven't seen them on, on the circuit, um, and it has to be the opportunity to reward those guys and offer contracts to bring them into a central system so players can move up and down within the contracts if they're not performing. They can move out of contracts if they're not deemed good enough to be one of the top 15. And they can obviously move in. And then we have bonuses based upon top five. So everything from the plate, a plate win upwards. They used to have bonuses from quarterfinals, but you know, top four is where we have to be, semifinals and uh, higher every tournament. So bonuses reflect that really. So second year in for you coming into the upcoming World Series, you know, top eight to top five, you're saying they're raising standards. Uh, do, do you get the feeling that the players are buying into that? I do, yeah. You know, that the, there's been some some good independent communication from the boys to me to ask to be put on um, good S&C programmes over these last you know, month or so. We haven't got the same sort of setup as the big teams around us in the top six that you know we'll have now a couple of weeks off from Commonwealth and then have a full-time program in place every day with bespoke conditioners, nutritionists, coaches and full-time assistant coaches um, and a centralised program. We can't have that yet but what we will have is just the next step, the ability to have the top 15 players available when we need them and not uh, you know and, and manage their program because they overplay every single one of them and I think now, there's an amount of burnout in form that the players have over the uh, over the year. Ben, I, I imagine you were a keen observer uh, over the last uh, few days, uh, probably wishing you were in Glasgow with the Fiji boys. And I know everyone's been talking about, you know, what a shame it was that the team wasn't there, and you know, it would have been a great medal shot and all that. And I, I actually, I don't know if you noticed during the opening ceremony when Fiji came out, one of the commentators was talking about how Samasoni Veriveri was going to be one of the key players for uh, Fiji at this tournament. And I thought, well. Not only is he unfortunately not really with your team anymore, isn't you know the team's not even at the game. So uh, even on even on that level, they were missing the team there. But I imagine you would have uh, taken a keen interest in what was going on over there. Yeah, no, you're right. There was such a um, a disconnection in people not understanding why and uh, Fiji weren't there. And uh, yeah, there's a shame. Yeah, I watched all the games. I was up during the middle of the night watching them all. Disappointed for England, really. You know, um, the program had all set itself up towards competing and winning a gold medal you know in a UK based Commonwealth Games which hasn't happened for a long time so they're pretty disappointed I think and for some of those boys that was their last tournament uh, South Africa did well and they were the on-form team and you know beat New Zealand fair and square and uh, it shows you the competitive nature 
of everything really. Day one was really disappointing for me. There were so many one-sided games. Um, it was only coming into the last round where it got relatively interesting. But the quarterfinals onwards, the resurgence of Samoa as well, I thought, under Dickie, uh, Tafua, you know, they're, they're looking like they're going to be pretty good. So that top four next year, I think, uh, you know, with Australia's advancements as well, I think is going to be very difficult to get into. And of course, uh, added importance as you build up to that next season too with uh, that top four. And I think it's the, the guaranteed uh, placings for Rio. And of course, uh, the last sort of month, all that talk about uh, the eligibility uh, scenario as well, whereas, you know, players who've had a stand down for 18 months can play in the sevens competition, even just one tournament. And that, in theory, makes them available for the national side. Uh, have, you, have you had discussions about that? Is that something that's been uh, in the back of your mind uh, looking forward to the next season? How you know, open are you to that? Yeah, we've been um, we've been carefully monitoring all of that, and myself with John McKee, who's our flying Fijians, fifteen's uh, head coach. Um, you now we've had lots of conversations about identifying from our end the players that might be ones that can add to both our programs, and then also the other way that we've had quite a lot of independent negotiations with players. I suppose not even negotiations, players just saying, "Look, you know, haven't played for for this country for X amount of time. I'm Fijian. I want to play. Uh, I want to come back." What's the chances? And, you know, we're talking about, you know, top-level players that have played for All Blacks at 7s and 15s at Australia at Test Max level, um, as well as, you know, other countries. So IRB Reg 8 with IRB Reg 9, which means that we can legitimately call on players to come back and play for us from these top clubs, uh, makes the season, you know, a very interesting one. And we have to stay on top of our admin and also make sure that we plan well ahead so that if we want to use these players for both 7s and 15s, we do it all um, by the book and in time and um, reminding ourselves that the number one question that we always have is, will it make our programme better? That's the Fiji Sevens coach, Ben Ryan. After months of preparation, the Samoa women's rugby team can't wait to get started at the World Cup, which kicks off in France this weekend. The Manusina begin their campaign against England in Paris on Saturday morning. I spoke with head coach Iweni Lale Famuina before the team departed New Zealand at the weekend. He says the players have been training and planning for this moment since qualifying in Spain last April. It's been a long time coming in there, eh? So, uh, yeah, uh, the, um, yeah, just uh, really looking forward to the, the World Cup and, um, you know, uh, it's pretty much uh, just looking forward to the, the, the event itself, but also, you know, uh, making sure that we give it our best shot as well. Uh, we don't want to be there just to make up numbers. We, we were there to compete and to, you know, like I said, uh, to give it our best shot uh, and give the, the World Cup a good tilt. So, yeah. How many months has it been now since your campaign has started with the team in, in terms of preparation? Well, it started, you know, straight after the qualifiers in that, um, from last year in April. So following through from late last year when we had our, our first trial, yeah, it's pretty much uh, flowed on from then. It's been, like I said, it's been a long time coming, and uh, now we'll come to the business end of our campaign, so now it's time we really need to front up and uh, give it a, a good shot. And the team's been obviously based up in Auckland primarily, and, and you've had a few games, and obviously you had that test match against the Black Ferns, and you've had some other, I guess, more low-profile matches around that. Have you, What have you been doing since that Black Ferns game in, in terms of your final preparations before you head off? We've just been trying to uh, stay together. Obviously, the uh, the Black Ferns uh, game, there were some positives and then there were some, some uh, a lot of things that we needed to work on. Obviously, the, the game against the Black Ferns, um, 
was more of an indication to see where we were at, and unfortunately, with the despite the scoreline and that, um, it was good to see uh, where you know things were at and where we needed to be, and we've just been working hard the last uh, couple of weeks, right up until now, to try and remedy things and be better prepared this time round um, come the World Cup. Your first match is against uh, England, a, a very tough opponent, of course, one of the you know, favourites for the title. So, um, you know, by the time you get over there, I think you leave uh, this coming weekend. By the time you arrive, it's uh, pretty much all go. Yeah, yeah. We arrive over there on the, on Monday. So um, it'll be pretty much um, try and uh, acclimatise uh, as soon as possible and quickly as we can. And come uh, the 1st of August and that for our first game against uh, England, uh, we need to, to be prepared and hit the ground running against them. And uh, I think England were out here as as part of a number of teams that you know played in in June, Canada and Australia as well. Uh, over here in New Zealand, played a number of matches. Um, are you pretty familiar with what you're going to be coming up against there? Obviously, England. Um, I think they're actually ranked number one at the moment. Uh, well, we are quite familiar that they are a very strong team, uh, a team that's probably favoured to win the, the the World Cup. Again, we'll, we're not here this World Cup to try and make up numbers. We're here to compete well and hopefully give the, the World Cup a good tip. And you do have quite a challenging pool in a general sense. England and Canada both very strong and then uh, Spain in your final game. Uh, you know, what What are your expectations going over there? What are you wanting to achieve and, and what do you think the girls can achieve? It's just about um, competing well. Obviously, um, aside from uh, England, both Canada and um, Spain, um, who we got a, a glimpse of at last year's qualifiers, are both very strong sides as well. So, um, some other teams, uh, their pool is uh, the pool of death. Uh, I, I think we're, we're pretty much right in the thick of it. What we're hoping to achieve, you know, we want to give it our best shot. Uh, we're not there to to play to, to lose. We're going to give it our best shot with the hope that we win. See Samoa women's rugby coach Iwini Lale Famoina. And the veteran Australian golfers Craig Parry and Peter O'Malley have been added to the start list for next month's Fiji International Golf Tournament. Between them, the pair have collected more than 30 international titles around the world, including on the PGA Tour in the US and the European Tour. The pair join a field at the Natandola Bay course headlined by major champions Vijay Singh and Nick Price, as well as Fiji's Dinesh Chand and Indian number one, Anaban Lahiri. And that's the World in Sports for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.